26 then, verses 1 through 11. Then it shall be when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance and possess it and live in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you bring in from your land that the Lord your God gives you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare this day to the Lord my God that I have entered the land which the Lord swore to our fathers to give to us. Then the priest will take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. You shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down to Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. But there he became a great, mighty, and populous nation. And the Egyptians Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us, and imposed hard labor on us. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, and our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm, with a great with great terror, and with signs and wonders. And He brought us to this place, and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now behold, I have brought the first of the produce of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God, and worship before the Lord your God. And you and the Levite and the alien who is among you shall rejoice in all the good which the Lord your God has given you in your household. So you enter the land, you're to bring some of the first fruits, some of the first crop, and bring it to the Lord. And you almost have a ceremony here. You bring it to the priest, and you recount this history, where you've been and what the Lord has done for you. So they are in this land not because they conquered it, but because God gave it to them, God rescued them from slavery and brought them through the wilderness and conquered the land. And the first fruits that they bring then are a means of thanking God, presenting some token of his, the gifts he's given them back to the Lord. Um, kind of reminds you of Thanksgiving. You know, kind of the idea of, of uh, what was done uh, here in this country. The idea that the first harvest, you give thanks to the Lord or whatever. Well, when they're first brought into the land, they need to devote that first produce to God in, in thanks and praise to Him for the wonderful things He's done with them. Comments and thoughts here on these first 11 verses. Okay. 12 to uh, 15. When you have finished laying aside all the tithes of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so they may eat within your gates and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house, and have also given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed, again, transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when the, in the morning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation, from heaven and bless your people Israel in the land which you have given us, just as you swore to your, our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
So they were to bring that third year tithe uh, to their town and leave it for the Levite, the stranger, and the widow. And they were to say that they had done so and they had not diverted any of that third year tithe to some improper personal use or consumption. You know, isn't that an interesting idea? They bring it and then they pledge. They, 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 they make a statement that they have given it all. They, they have done what they should have done. You know, wouldn't have that made a difference if Ananias and Sapphira had been able to honestly say this was all. They made the pledge, but it was, it was a lie. But, but, but the idea is to remind them and to make them commit to the idea, no, we're, we're giving it all, we're not keeping any of it for ourselves, and therefore ask God's blessing. You wonder what a difference it might make today if uh, we were to say, you know, I've really brought uh, an abundant part of the blessings God has given me back for him to use in his work and service and so forth. But that's what they did with this third year tithe, the tithe that was supposed to stay in their cities to provide for the needy there. Comments and questions on that? Matt? You, you talked last night about how sometimes God uh, leads to his true example. And I'm thinking about Ananias and Sapphira where Peter says, the property was yours, you didn't have to give it. In the Old Testament, God made them give a certain amount and pledged they had to do it. Now he just relies on our generosity. He, he wants us to love him and give that way. It's, it's a better path. Better yes, it is. You know, and, and I think we need to have the spirit that God would want us to have in that. By being so blessed by God, it ought to provoke in us a real desire to be generous and to be giving and to to want to do all that we can in the work of the Lord. You know, some people think, oh, what a blessing. We don't have to tithe anymore. Ooh, God for that. You know, instead of thinking, what a blessing. God has done so much for me and now I'm unrestricted. I can give as much as I want. You know, we often take it, oh, that means I can give as little as I want. But, but that kind of an attitude is an ungrateful attitude and an attitude that doesn't recognize God's generous blessings with us. What if God had said, oh, now I can do as little for my people as I want to. That wasn't God's attitude toward us, was it? He wanted to do as much as he could for us, as much as our behavior would allow, really. You know, God desires to bless us. And we ought to have that same desire, that same eagerness to be generous. It's so much the idea that God's heart should be our heart. When we see how generous and gracious He is, it ought to motivate great generosity and, and grace on our part. Other thoughts? Seth? Yeah, we see here that it's part of God's... Uh, one way to serve God is to... to provide for those who cannot provide for themselves. But is this the only way that they are commanded to provide for the needy? No, they were commanded to be generous in various other ways and situations. Uh, uh, even like forgiving the dead every seventh year and, and other times where he just commands generosity and sharing with the poor and so forth. But this was one almost institutionalized uh, way. You know, you also couldn't reap the full crop. I mean, there's a lot of things that God said, a lot of provisions uh, for the poor, both just in terms of saying be generous and in terms of some specific things like this in which they had to do something that would provide for them. 
Other questions or comments? Okay, uh, 16 to 19. This day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God, and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, and his judgments, and that you will obey his truth. Also today the Lord proclaimed you to be a special people just as they promised you that you should keep all the commandments. And that he will set you out of all the nations which he has made in this praise, in name, and in honor, and that you may be a holy people for the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. So look at what he's saying. You know, they ought to do what God says. What's the operative term as we keep noticing? Be careful to do all that he said. You know, you said you would. The Lord has said you are his people, a treasured possession. You know, he treats them as his special crown jewels. You know, they are, they are his special people uh, so that they would keep his commandments. God would set them high above all the nations for praise, fame, and honor. The idea is that they would bring glory to God. That's really the ultimate goal. You're God's people, you're God's special holy nation, so that God would be praised, honored, and glorified by you. You know, you see that we are the, uh, sort of the handiwork of God. We're, uh, we're the product of God's uh, uh, artistry, His strength and wisdom and love, and so in our character, in our lives and heart, in what we say, we, we reflect honor and glory to God. God is, God is praised when people see the product of his craftsmanship in us. That was the idea of this, uh, the idea of Israel. Same idea for us. You've got almost the same thing said in 1 Peter chapter 2, applied now to us as God's nation, God's people. In verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When we live like God's people, we can proclaim God's glory both by what we say and what we do, and God is honored in us. That was his goal. That was the goal of Israel. It was much more than just being a blessed people. It was the privilege of being the people in whom God is honored and glorified. Thoughts and comments? Yes, right. About the friend there, Peter, also echoed in the Titus chapter 2 for the Good point, yes. That, that's a common thought. You know, the whole idea that our lives are to be to the praise and glory of God. Other thoughts? Um, chapter 27, uh, we, we begin this ceremony, 